So there's something really cool going on in the New York theater scene. I don't know what it is, but over the last two years, I have seen some amazing plays by young first-generation African-American playwrights. So children of African immigrants are killing it on the New York stage, and it's been really exciting as an audience member. Uh, I recently saw a great play by Ngozi Anyau called Homecoming Queen at the Atlantic Theater Company. It runs through February 18th. Uh, Ungozi is an actor, she's a playwright, she's the co-founder of the Now Africa Playwrights Festival. She's sort of amazing and just a renaissance woman. And I wanted to have a conversation with her about identity and some of the issues that those of us who live at the intersection of these cultures really face on a regular basis. So I am so excited to share this conversation with you and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So Ungozi is the playwright of this amazing play that I just saw today, um, Homecoming Queen at the Atlantic Theater Company, mm-hmm. stage two. Stage two, yeah. This play is, I don't even want to, I don't even know where to start. It's <laughs> the, the sort of tagline, it's a story of a young Nigerian woman mm-hmm. going home for the first time after being away for about 15 years, yeah. right? Um, but it's so much more than that. It is. And, um, <laughs> and they were like, what's your log line? I was like, mm. Pick something. <laughs> I've heard so many different, I've sure. read so many different log lines for this. Yeah. I, I thought when I was coming that I was seeing a play about the sort of funeral rites mm-hmm. that a young woman was going through sure. or sort of preparing sure. for. Yeah. And then the play really wasn't that. Yeah. But I know I read that somewhere, so I know I wasn't making that up. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, so the, so I just saw the play today, and I, I have so many questions and mm. sort of still processing it. Yes. So the character, um, Kelechi, mm. she is coming home after being away mm-hmm. and there's a, a tension and an anxiety mm-hmm. that is is palpable mm-hmm. coming from her. Yeah. And it, it's not even a question. It's like, it, for me, it reminded me so much of my first visit back mm-hmm. to Nigeria in 2000. Where did you start? Like how did, in creating her, mm-hmm. where did, where did you kind of come into her? Where did you tap into this, this character and that ex- the experience that she's about to embark on? Sure. I mean, I, I went back to Nigeria myself uh, when I was 27, after I haven't, I had been gone for 14 years, and I had a, a bunch of friends actually at that time when I was 27 who had all not been back since they were like young teenagers with their parents, and like all of a sudden were going back, and I was like, what is that? And so a few years, like eight or seven years ago, we started this thing called the First Generation Nigerian Project, and in the the beginning incarnations, I think it was like me. Like, para. like we were like, you know, like just talking about stuff and, and Chinasa and this woman, Naoma. And then eventually it was me. The, the group eventually became me, Mvaniso, Ivan Oji. That's how we, that's also how we met. This girl joined Otoma, Jennifer Akabu. And we were all first generation Nigerians. And I was like, what is like, there's something here about us yeah. being artists and females and having daddy issues and <laughs> um, being these sort of strong minded women that were raised in a very patriarchal culture, you know? Yep. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of the seedlings of that. And then I had written my first play, Good Grief. And then um, my grandmother had passed. And I watched that be really hard on adult people, on like, adult people in their fifties, you know, how they were, they had a really hard time letting her go. And they went back to Nigeria to go bury her. And then my dad actually had to go back the following year and bury his father, but he'd been gone for 50 years. Like his, his, his father had passed for 50 years and he had never done like a proper burial. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. And so then, this was the 50-year anniversary of his father's death? It was or just like, like his dad had just been passed for more than 50 years, and he had right. never done, like, the formal... He had never done, like, the formal thing that you were supposed to do. And so he went back and did that, and I was not able to go with him, and I was, like, really, like, ugh. Like, I would just... I know what that is for my father. And then talking to him and my mother and being like, you know, this is what you have to do for us. And having that very real conversation. And it's like, really? Are we really talking about this now? But like they're in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And, you know, having that very real conversation about like, though you were born and raised here, there are just things, some things you have to do. There are some traditions you have to do. And being, being like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. And so that was sort of the starting point for this play. It's about a, a woman who goes home to this culture that is close to her, but very distant from her for many reasons. Yeah. And I think the profound sense, you know, I certainly remember my first trip back um, and this profound sense of loss that you you have, mm. you know, the sense of, and some of the things, the, the it, what's bizarre about the loss is that you can some, usually you can articulate what it is you've lost mm-hmm. in other scenarios. But in this one, it's almost like there's a sense of belonging that you may not have any long, like anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of like, you kind of recognize things, but you don't quite know them mm-hmm. the way the people there know them, mm-hmm. or you don't have the relationships that they have. Mm-hmm. And so this like amorphous sense of loss that can be so paralyzing. Mm-hmm. Cause I was trying to understand why is this woman so anxious and difficult? <laughs> yeah. But I, I got it in my body. Yeah. And so, and so I just, the, that, that sense of loss. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, did you feel that when you went back home? When How I went back was home, that? it was nerve wracking. It was, you know, there's this place that they see me and they know me. Yeah. Because they know my father and my mother so well. To the point when I walk around my dad's village, they'd be like, hey, Kenneth. Because <laughs> they think I was. Is that his name? My, that's my dad's father's name. Yeah. And me and my dad are essentially also, we, I mean, besides the fact that I'm a female and he's a male, we are literally built the same. same. Mm. You can you see me and you're like, you are Kenneth's daughter. You are Josephine's daughter. And so. That's even, my mom's name. Yeah, Josephine. yeah. And so like, even the way you, I stomp, you know, I'm, I'm a heavy footed stalking woman. <laughs> and my dad's a heavy footed, you know. So to walk around my father's village and have them just be like, hey, Kenneth. <laughs> you know, and have them know something so clearly about me yeah. that I'm like, you don't know me, you know, but they just would grab me up and grip me up and be like, just, just you know, yeah. and it was just, and they're just so familiar with you, people who don't know you. Just kind of take their liberties with how they touch you and take their liberties with how they speak to you. And yeah. it's no and personal it's, space, no personal space, <laughs> no and sense they, of personal and space. They, and, but it's like with great love, yeah. you know. But that also comes with it, at least for my anxiousness, burden because it's like I probably the New Yorker in me is like, What do you want from me? What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> you know, yeah. as opposed to like they just want to touch you and see you, yeah, and feel you and like, Oh, you came good, you good, you know where you come from, good. But like, I'm also not bilingual. So I think maybe mm. if I was bilingual, I would probably have less of a time walking around and stopping in the village because in case people are talking shit, I could be like, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Because um, there's a deep connection where I'm like, I feel very Nigerian when I walk into my parents' home. Mm. You mean their home here? Their home here. Yeah. And I, I was raised with all my uncles and aunts as well. They had like the Nigerian associations and the church associations yeah. and they made sure you were raised around other Nigerian kids and other Igbo kids. But at the same time, I don't know my language. At the same time, I don't live in Nigeria. At the same time, I don't know my way around. You know, I actually do now, actually, because I actually, when I was 27, I went back and called every uncle and cousin I had and was just like, I'm coming to Abuja. I'm going to Pataka. I'm coming to Aba. I'm coming to Lagos. I'm coming to Victoria Island. I'm coming to the village. And they were like, hey, Ngozi, world traveler. And I just literally like kind of backpacked through Nigeria to my parents' complete 
and total dismay. And and just my mom was like, you've been to more places in Nigeria than I That's have. actually amazing because like I would say one thing, Nigerians don't really do that. No. You go to Lagos and then you go to like your town. Yeah. And that's, I mean, Abuja as well. Yeah. But like, I remember once I said to my parents, one trip I said, I really want to go to the Onisha market. And they were like, who do we know there? Yeah. You can't, like literally for them, they were like, but yeah. like everyone's so afraid of like each other's sections of mm-hmm, the country. That it's like, I also did not have my visa because I'm, I've never traveled outside. Right. So I also went to Nigeria without a visa. <laughs> which is a how did you, you how did for. you get in? Nigeria is yeah. a place that can be well, negotiated. Well, I, I knew the answer. <laughs> I knew the answer to that question before I even asked But that. I have a green passport now. Yeah, of course. Everybody, <laughs> I love my green passport. I, it comes in very handy in yes. particular places. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you just have, need to know how to do the switch, right? Yes, like, yes. Um, did you consider acting in this play? Yes. Oh. I acted in the workshop of it. Okay. Um, but it still had work to do. And when I would get an epiphany as a writer, I'm like, oh, I got to go write something. Rehearsal's canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had known him funny so for some time. And I and she had workshopped it sort of earlier this year. Before, and she wasn't available for the workshop that I had stepped into. Um, so I was like, oh, I think this this to me feels right for her. Yeah. Um, and her journey as an, as an actor, because she does not say yes to a lot of things as an actor. We're sort of on the opposite journeys as writer actors. She's like sort of like blossoming as a sort of like just prolific writer. Writer. And I'm like, mm, I maybe have three plays total. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sort of, I, I, I'm more of an actor, you know, yeah. that's sort of more where I come from while she's really become like a writer and a, 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 just, you know, a scribe. Um, but I've always, when I've performed with her, I've always found her to be sort of really wonderful. Yeah. Like, oh, this is, yeah, I think she, I think she's, I think it's her. It's interesting that you, that you bring her up because, you know, I've been thinking about her umfuni, so Jocelyn mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. really, right? Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but I feel like this last year, last two years, mm-hmm. I've been seeing a lot of, or not a lot, but mm-hmm. compared to like five years ago right. when there was like none, right? right? It's like Just, deny, I think. Yeah, deny. Jocelyn's from Ghana, but that play felt so Nigerian to yeah. me. I decided <laughs> that I was going to claim me girls <laughs> as a Nigerian How very play. Nigerian of you. I knew because I wasn't born. <laughs> school and it literally was the exact same you yeah know, without the glamour yeah you know, there was no glamour at our boarding school but yeah but sort of the young nigerian Ghanaian, american playwrights mm-hmm. that are sort of writing these stories that are the intersection of of, of our cultures yeah. and negotiating all of these things so mm-hmm. i'm really hopeful that this is going to be like an explosion an explosion West you Africa know explodes. and you yeah. know absolutely because you know it's time that stories are told and what what i loved about this play is that the texture of the play like you it took me immediately to Imo State, right? Mm-hmm. It, I'm someone that maybe has a little bit of an entry, right, mm-hmm. into to, into the images and the scenes. But what I loved is that the authenticity, of course, which is what you get when the playwright is from that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, it grounded me so immediately in this particular culture um, in such a specific way, mm-hmm. which I think is so necessary for just reshaping the presentation of Africa mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. American or New York stages. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'd seen some terrible things that I won't talk girl, about. Girl, <laughs> which I imagine, girl, I can't even imagine as I an actor. Too. I can't, but also going on auditions and things like that, the kinds of stuff that you... I will say the nice thing about being a writer now is that I, I feel very empowered as a performer um, uh, and because I'm also surrounded by a lot of black female, like and African and Caribbean and just black American writers, I feel very empowered to say no to things that when they're, when they are specifically African written by non-Africans. And I find it particularly just like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I find, I find myself, I I can say no now. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I, I'm particular. I'm particularly more empowered to not even. I don't even regard. I don't even regard those things. And mm. the more that you're that you're hearing it from the authentic voice, the less I think people can get away with it. Quite frankly, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Where I'm absolutely. like, well, good luck, mate. I'm talking about. And our stuff feeds each other, right? Like I feel like with Funniso's plays coming out back to back, the way that they're in rep is a beautiful feed and leadway into Jocelyn's Nollywood Dreams and Schoolgirls, which is a lovely feedway into Homecoming Queen because, you know, it just, it gives you more of an entry point whether you are from that place or not. That when you start to see things that are inauthentic, and this is any world, when you start to see things, when you see something that is authentic, you're, you're, you're just more curious about more of that. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, what's this? What is this? Yeah. Thing, you know? yeah. Um, like the character is from Africa and they don't say where from Africa, you know. Right. <laughs> like, Just general. Yeah. General I mean, I, I, there's one play in particular where, you know, a character was from Africa and the whole play, I kept saying, like, but where is he from? <laughs> like, and no one, they never no said one never it. said the country. You know, they never said the country. And I'm like, this is like no African I. Can, I cannot place no this African I know would be in a room for more than ten seconds and not say the exact place, place they're from. Yeah, right. Down, to, it's part of what makes us great, and I think yeah. part of what, part of some of whatever our issues are. But that specificity is so important. Mm. So, an audience member in front of me today said, "We just went to church today. <laughs> Literally, it was a woman and her child, and she turned to her turned to her son. I know the son said to the mom, yeah. that was like church.' And then she said to him." We just went to church today. So can you talk a little bit about um, religion in this play and, and the way faith kind of is woven through the entire Yeah, it's so funny. Life. I am so not religious at all. Like people, it's so, I've gotten that reaction. It's really lovely, but I guess I was raised religiously. My mom is a devout Catholic. My dad was raised an Anglican. I would not call him religious at all. But I just know God is everything. You know, our names are all like, my name means, Ngozichuke is like, God's greatest blessing, son, God. Like, it's like, God bless this with God. You can't get away from it, yeah. you know, for better or worse. And I was raised around very spiritual, deep people. Like, my mom was almost going to be a nun. She mm. was brought to America by her brother, who was a priest. You just can't talk. Of, it's like, you can't talk about Nigeria without either religion or politics. Yeah. Like, you just can't. I don't know if this is even a full Nigerian play, because, like, we don't talk about, like, the president or politics. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, there's just two things you cannot that you get away with it without talking about God. God is everything. And it, I think it and it feeds their joy, and it feeds their ability to live, and it feeds their why they wake up in the morning and why they say what they say. So it's interesting to me to have a Kelechi, who I think is not a religious person, walk back into this place that is like, God this, God that, da, 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 having these women surround her uh, with just complete and total care, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a question that I ask as a Nigerian person. I know, I know exactly what's going on, but it's a question that I know that for people who aren't Nigerian at all, I think it, it especially I think in this society, that's not as sort of woven, you know, religion is not sort of woven into every fiber, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think maybe in white society it's not what we're yeah, about. Right. I think that's in black true. American society, I think that it's all up in there. <laughs> right, right. It's all up in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's that's probably the that's the meeting place for us. Our skin color and God. God. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, believe that deeply. Not that I don't believe it all, but throughout the play there was a little bit a few of what I call our uh, not so pleasant secrets yeah. about Nigerian culture and yeah. Nigerian society. Mm-hmm. So the child labor issues I thought was really interesting that you mm-hmm. put that in there. I know it's something that a lot of, a lot of young Nigerians today kind mm-hmm. of react 
very poorly, mm-hmm. I think, to any kind of challenge to that institution. Mm-hmm. Um, the accents I thought was interesting, the way the Nigerians kind of code switch, mm-hmm. right? Corporal punishment mm-hmm. in the home. There are just yeah. so many things that I thought a lot of times I think we try to gloss over yeah. as a society. And so, were you reticent at all about sprinkling that in? or I, don't, I wouldn't have a play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no words and nothing would happen in the play. Yeah. If I didn't show a, the stuff. Yeah. There's a bunch of other stuff, but I'm not going to, I'm you not going to I mean? give It's like, if you don't show stuff, the stuff, yeah. it's like, there's no play. There's I no play. I think we're really weird about our stuff. I mean, though. we are. We are. We are weird about our shame. We are weird about our patriarchy. We are weird about yeah. corporate punishment. We are weird about our stuff. We are. Yeah. But that's, the, I mean, that's the, at least where I try to go from it. Because I do think there is an attraction to black trauma and African miscounts in, in that. But I did try to go into the complexities of that, the joy and the healing part of that. And yeah. like where we can, where we can do, maybe do better. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be no play. Because that's the conflict. I think that, that, that our stuff is the conflict. It's this, you know, and it doesn't even necessarily mean, know that it means to change. But if you see yourself, like if, a man, if an African man sees himself in the missteps that Papa makes, that's good. If yeah. he sees himself and goes, oh, and yeah. like sees that that's a misstep, good. Because yeah. I think it's important. This one is more like, how can we do better? How can we be better? How can we attempt to heal each other? How can we attempt to heal ourselves? Um, how can we try? And it's okay that it's messy. It's okay that it's not like, okay, I'm healed from that traumatic event. <laughs> Hold hands. Yeah. It's okay that you try and it's like, I'm going to try and heal. But this is painful. Every step towards healing makes you want to cry. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. That's okay. But it's like about the first step. Yeah. You know? And I think the acknowledgement, it's interesting that you bring up shame. Because mm-hmm. I, I think about... Like, I think our, our cultures tend to, like, shame tends to be this, like, do not bring shame on this family, mm-hmm. do not bring shame on this name. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think sh- shame of all the possible things so it's that you full, can, like, it's bring like, onto your this home. Moving on I think shame is, like, strong. the absolute worst. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's worse but than anything. It's, it's, like, right. it's like a mortal sin. Right. right. Yeah. And yeah. the ways in which back. it kind of That's can a, really cost people, right? Like, somehow manifest your truth, your vulnerabilities, your kind of your healing, right? Because you're trying to shield yourself from this thing you now family. And so I think that that was something, too, that for me was, like, immediate and, like, painful to watch. Like, it was really painful. It's twofold, right? It's the cover that up and keep it moving because that's how you can survive. That's a human thing. The human thing is because we're actually not equipped on to and like to press on like fast as possible. I actually don't know how to handle this. So the best way for you to do is like is just to like pray about it and move the fuck on. I mean, try to and so that's the only been around during Biafra about anything. Yeah, you know. And he didn't do that. He picked himself up. That's that. It's that sort of like strange Ebo bootstrap sort of thing. Um, and he picked himself up and he got through, you know, his life the way that he got through it. But also it's made him kind of hard, <laughs> you yeah. know, and like made him kind of hard on us unnecessarily, you know. So I just feel like it's twofold as far as that sort of like shame thing and how it is that you recover. Because I think it th- those sort of that way of being sort of raised sort of in a sort of um, strict manner and a sort of a, what others would look at as harsh has prepared me for being black in America, mm. I will say. So I feel like I am much more resilient because of that hard way of being brought up. Yeah. But it did take a while for me to be an open person because of that hard way. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Have they seen this way, your parents? No, they're coming tomorrow. They're coming open tonight. Oh. I'm excited. <laughs> must be so this exciting. one's a little close. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of 
my uncles in this play. There's a lot of my dad. There's a lot of just the men in my family. I've kind of like pulled from every single one of them. There are some things that they directly have said in their lives. I was like, that's going into play. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? When I was like, yeah. that's so good. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. Yeah. It's funny. The parts where I'm like, that's so funny. And the people are like, ooh, that's harsh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I found that hilarious. So no, I'm excited for, for them to see it. But I'm like, ooh, this is going to be. But yeah. I mean, I, I also want to make sure that we don't, I don't, you know, sort of in my questions don't make the play sound like very sad and no, it's also a lot of joy. Yeah. You know, I, I also hope that they, I hope that they see that that I love where I come from. Yeah, no, that's apparent. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean, like that, apparent. and that I was listening, and that I see them. You know, yeah. as a kid who, so they would try and teach me my language, and I would literally run away. Mm. Like I want to be American, and I just like mm. run out of the house. They, my dad would used to try and bribe us mm. to teach us the language. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's a quarter. Say ishi. <laughs> Into Tishi, like, yeah. you know, um, where are you from? Chokanez, like, you know, what town? Who is this, you know, person in your house? So, you know, I'm excited for them to see that I, that I see them and that I love them and I love where I come from, even though I don't know all the stuff. Yeah. And that I tried. Yeah. <laughs> that, the last scene of the play, I'm mm-hmm. not going to ruin it, mm-hmm. it was, was like the most beautiful thing and also the most devastating for me um, because I think it, it literally is stunning and joyous and celebratory mm-hmm. but it was also so painful because mm-hmm. it's like this the what the what if was what i got from it mm-hmm. like what if right mm-hmm. like the different paths that the choices to leave mm-hmm. versus if we don't leave all of these things um and do you ever play that game with yourself like what if what if you guys never came to america like what if you were raised in nigeria and what that life might be like i do that sometimes i don't know i mean weird. i don't i mean my parents met in america Mm, interesting. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't oh, exist. Wow. You know, oh, wow. where did they meet? Uh, college, New Jersey. Oh wow. You know, so we and they're from t- neighboring towns. Oh wow. They're and they didn't, they didn't know each other. They know they each other. Each other. Before, but they must. Do they have people in common? You know, they, the, the yeah. cult, you know, the evil people are like, okay, that's who, that's what's called daughter. That's yeah. you know what's called son. Um, so I wouldn't have existed if they stayed and came back. Oh here. wow. Um, so I don't ever really play that game i do play the thing of like i wish i'd have been more more um open to my culture and open to the things that my dad tried to teach me for multiple reasons so i do play that game that's unhealthy um <laughs> it's hard to you know, know at that age you know it is it's hard to know you don't you don't know shit like then i have to be you know when i hit my 20s and i was like oh my parents went through a lot to come here I should probably not squander all of it mm. and all the opportunity that they had when they came. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh. Like, I don't know where, there's something that clicked for me in my, when I was in college to be like, at this age, my dad didn't have parents. At this age, my mom only had her mom and her dad died. You know, and I have both my parents who are like trying to get me loan money for this fucking college to go to school for theater. I'm real lucky. You know yeah. what I mean? And when that clicked in, it was like, okay, what can I you to like leave their burden of my mom praying on the rosary <laughs> like don't let her be a prostitute just because I'm a theater <laughs> person, a theater person. <laughs> yes. oh, God. Oh, what God. can I do to relieve that oh my you know? god yeah that was, was an actual prayer you know you don't have to do any just anything for anything I'm like mom relax like I do plays. Ain't nobody trying to have sex for plays. Not me, anyway. (laughs) Like, relax. 
when I moved to New York City, she's like, go sing. You know, just worried I was going to be a stripper or something. I'm like, I can't dance. I can't touch my toes. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm just not equipped for that type of lifestyle. You know, shout out to my strippers. You got to make it. No, our parents, our parents are really something. They're really something else. When you decided that you wanted to be an artist, mm-hmm. was there resistance to it? Were they excited? I mean, it's so funny. To me, it was a blur. I don't think I even gave them space for resistance. It was more like one day I was going to school for theater. And here was the financial package mm. like declaration <laughs> it wasn't like yeah. can i go to school for this it wasn't like i think i want to do this it was like come with me on the bus to pittsburgh i'm going to pittsburgh for this audition mm. mom come with me tomorrow <laughs> my dad yelling in the corner no one tells me anything you know because they raised me so Igbo. they raised me so independent and so forthcoming and so strong-headed and that was instilled in me probably around 13 so I, by the time i became 18 i didn't really i didn't ask them to do I didn't ask them for anything. I didn't ask, I was like, yeah. before they were always kind of encouraging, but like scared and fingers crossed, like make sure you get your master's so you can at least teach when this thing doesn't work out. Just get your master's. Just get, get you know, you know, my dad and master's. Yeah, master's, school, 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 PhD. The damn master's. Esquire. Doctor, like, doctor, doctor. Yeah. Like, you know. We have a doctor, two lawyers, and my brother has his MBA. It's oh, like, we ain't overly... got no doctors. Yeah, they. Well, my sister's getting her doctor. She's in the military, so she's on her way. My brother's an <laughs> MMA fighter. I'm an. But your brother's an MMA, MMA fighter. That's I'm so an actor dope. playwright. My sister's a talent manager. The younger one is off doing whatever the heck she does. So yeah. So she's yeah. So oh, our parents that is so interesting. My parents raised very different, just like good luck to them. They wanted it, they had a plan. I no, but I love that. Ride. I love that because each one of you is like following your own bliss. Mm-hmm. And that's like really powerful and beautiful. Yeah. So what's your hope for this play? Where do you want to go? Where do you want it to see it go? Like, where's your sort of, in terms of also just the impact it has on the audience, like, what do you want people to take away from it? I mean, it'd be great for this to go to London, because, like, there's such a giant community of Africans. And and Africans who come to the theater. Mm. That's the other part, too, because it's subsidized. I've been to theater there where I'm like, you're kidding me, really? Yes, that come, not just like, but they come to the, I was like, what in the hell? Did you find wow. all these at the World National? <laughs> Damn. Theater. But because, you know, tickets are cheaper and, like, yeah. they just come, you know. Um, Broadway, you know. But, like, meh. Um, but we always joke going, like, okay, we'll fix that in the Broadway version. <laughs> <laughs> like, how is it? Oh, I don't have time to get to that part in the, in the scene, in the play. Um, can we just postpone that for Broadway? <laughs> like, save it for Broadway. Yeah, so literally, like, the line design is like, um, I don't understand that lighting cue. We'll just wait for Broadway. We'll figure that out on Broadway. Um, so, but that's like a whole, I mean, that's a whole other beast. So I'm not particularly worried about that. I am just worried about this run and it impacting people on this run and people really, no matter where they come from, but it's just my Africans and black people, um, uh, and, and other first generation people really, I think being able to empathize and understand these people, whether you come from, whether you come from this place or not, um, that's always like the yay and the like yes like a bunch of people in the front row who are obviously not from Nigeria are leaned in because they're listening because they don't get all the stuff but they but they they're just they're interested and they and they love these people so that they love these people as much as I love them you know yeah um so that's my big old hope that you know people come away from this like loving Kalechi yeah <laughs> she's a tough one to love yeah she's, she's a, a tough, really one to love, tough one to love but she, it's really I was saying this is an exact, it's funny. We had workshopped the play with a couple other actors and they kept using the term bitch. 
And I think, sure, duh. But I was like, oh yeah, this is my examination of the bitch. This is like, this is like what that is. And and those women who are like hard, they're like, damn, what have you been what through? Has happened to what you? has happened? You have been hurt you before. Her. I just want to like, but she'll punch you if you hug her and things like yeah. that. And um, but really to like look at those people with more empathy, you know? Yeah. Um, and for those people who are like that to go oh, maybe it's time to expand or like, where can I look for opportunities to not be so closed off, you know? Um, so yeah, that's the, the hope is that people see themselves and see themselves in the way of like, how can I do better? How can I be better? And I don't know that I have the answers in this play. I just, I think I pose a lot of the questions in it, but I think I always try and pose like, maybe this is a way to heal. Like that's sort of what I'm interested in. I'm interested in black people's healing. And, and our hope, um, that's my, I'm interested in our hearts being cracked open because there's so much ancestral trauma. This is colonization and or, you know, uh, slavery. There's just so, there's so much. Yeah. Um, and I also really hope that like black people, black Americans see this and see that like white people didn't take away everything. Like, I hope you can see this and say like, y'all do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And see the connection. Yeah. Y'all praise yeah. and worship and yeah. shout yeah. and call each other out yeah. and have the same sort of uh, shame that we have yeah. and pride that we have. Um, and everything wasn't completely taken away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love, I love that you say that because <laughs> I love that you say that because I'm so obsessed right now with our like diasporic body, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not interested in conversations about oh, cultural appropriation within our community. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's bullshit mm-hmm. and that doesn't even make sense to me as like a concept. Also, yeah. Nigerians appropriate more than any other <laughs> group of people I've ever seen. Yeah. Right. But like, I'm just holding is Dutch, isn't it? Right. Right. Like there's so, you know, but yeah. I'm just so much more interested in like our, our points of connection, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I don't think we're really going to survive otherwise, frankly, mm-hmm. until we begin to relish and connect across the waters. And I just, so I'm, I'm just so happy that you, you said that because I'm really, I think part of, part of the myth, part of the, the lie, mm-hmm. right, is that we don't, we don't have those similarities and yeah. we don't have those moments to connect with each other, yeah. you know, and it really pains me when mm-hmm. that becomes like the narrative, yeah. like Africans don't like African-Americans or vice versa. Like I just, yeah. I'm not interested. They're truths made perhaps, yeah. but that's not what I'm interested. That's not the conversation that's interesting. Nor, to me. nor am I. Yeah. Like how, how do we connect? How do we, what are the things that we have in common? Yeah. Um, and I certainly like the family in front of me, I don't know what they were. They definitely weren't African. They were either black American or maybe from the islands, but you know, they were so that, that religion moment, mm-hmm. the songs, right. And those songs, the music also, the the music. One came to me in a dream, which is really funny. What? The opening song is made up. What? You are welcome is made up. Yes. <laughs> it's made up. Um, I had to go back to my mom. I'm like, mom, is this a song that we sang growing up? She's like, I don't know that song. Wow. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess this is, you know, so we had Nolufefe, God bless Nolufefe, who also came in. I basically like sang it, recorded it. And then Nolufefe, who's an amazing singer and composer, came in and, and recorded the tracks along with the women and recorded. So the recorded music that you hear is Nolufefe's voice along with some of the women in our play. Um, and she like orchestrated it in a way like, we'll make it sound so good. She said that we'll make it sound so good. Um, so you are welcome is made up as well. Um, and she just kind of like added the harmonies to that. 
Um, and then um, EB had given us one, the, the uh, Chineke. Yeah. Edema, yeah. Because she was like, actually. That's a very popular song. She said, that's, that's a very popular, popular, popular song, song in different languages. Languages, yeah. She said, you can get that actually in different languages. I'll give you the Igbo version of that. Right. But many churches, what they do that, I mean, because my aunt's church is a multilingual church. They'll sing every version. Yeah. So I know that song. Yeah. Like, I, that was a song. Because so, we wanted to worship. We wanted a basically a big, because like, is there a specific thing for birth? She's like, there's not, there, there's not a specific thing for an occasion. It's more like, God is great. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what's a good God is great song? So that we, is, that so, is yeah, the song. Yeah. So that's yeah. like, she's like, she's like, this, people will know this song if you play this song. Like any Nigerian. Yeah. yeah. Like, dope. So Sweet she, mother, of course. Sweet mother is just, is just I mean, if anthem, you're just West our, African, <laughs> you just know, anthem. you know. Yeah. Um, Sweet mother, I think I'm going to put in every single play. Um, uh, it does something to the audience. People that know it yeah, immediately. Like, yeah. You can see the people vibing. Yeah. The like that's, yeah. that's in every play. The Jehovah song is actually like a pop song that I found. And then there, then the other song that my redeemer lives yes, yes was like i found out this amazing praise singer and who was just like bell- she was bellowing and like weeping and like the music is, is is really lovely it's really really lovely i think it you know costumes everything take you there but yeah. that really like just i think just so moving to me thank you uh, and also just i mean it also made me most nostalgic and wanted to go home immediately but that's another story <laughs> there's a line in the play um and i'm gonna botch it because I, I wrote it in the dark and it says whether is this home or just a hiding place mm-hmm. and i was just like oh god <laughs> that's so depressing to think about i don't know if it's depressing i mean i think maybe i, I put that in there because i'm sort of uh, someone who i think is struggling now with what is home i moved to new york like 13 years ago a few weeks ago it was like my 13 or 14 year anniversary and I was like oh this place doesn't feel like home anymore yeah you know when I first moved here I was like I got three dollars in a dream and I got a suitcase and I was just like and I paid some homeless man to find me where I was at and I was like I'm home and uh it was so exciting and so wonderful and I go back home to Bucks County where my parents live where I was raised so I was six and and that doesn't feel like it either. And you go back to Nigeria and it's like, that's where you're from. And I, I, and I can relax, but I get restless and that's not where I'm from either. And, and then I really am like, what is at 35 now for me? I'm like, what's my home? I'll probably be moving to California and LA and uh, for work. But is that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there a place where my shoulders drop? And then like, is it the people? Is there, is it the place? You know? So I really was like, because this play is so much dealing with what home is, it, what is it when home is a sense as a place of deep trauma but also where where everything is linked to and like what is what are your possibilities what what's your future when you don't quite know what at that age at, i would say 30s is like what is my what is that like what is if you're a single human being what is your future what is it and so i don't know that i i, I find it depressing but it's curious it's more like oh i got some big questions yeah. you know what i mean and so some people really know, like, when I come back home, and I think for Obinna's character, he's like, that is a place where he is safe. That house is a place where he was safe. That's yeah. where his life started there. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's not the case for Kalechi, you know? Her life started when she left. But that's also beginning to feel malleable. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You saw that. Yeah. The home or a hiding place. That's 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 where I'm personally at. So that's the playwright putting their shit in the play. <laughs> in the play. Well, it's interesting that you say that about your 30s because I feel like 30s is the unsung decade. Like nobody ever tells you that. Like this is probably the most one of the most crucial decades of your entire life. If yeah, not, sure. That you know, kind of sets you up or not, or not for everything else. And I feel like your 20s, like have fun, you know, have a good time. Obviously, you're like growing up as a child, and mm. then I, I don't know. I just feel like this was kind of a decade where I was like just kind of wandering from one 
one thing to the next yeah. and trying to figure it out. And you're like halfway through it, right? Like I'm halfway through my 30s and career right now is like, we good. They can stand a pay and nigga faster. <laughs> like I got it will come. money lingering, it you will know, come. checks are on their way. It will come. And like, I know what I do for a living and come. yeah, I know what I do for a living. I have deadlines. I have things to do. You know, I could use a bay. Uh, knock knock, but you know we're on, we're on we're soon come. We also soon come, soon yeah. come. It's like some it's adult time. Yeah, it's adult time. It's real. <laughs> well, who are your like who are your sort of writing inspiration? Jose Rivera. Uh, he's dreamy. He likes his dreamy stuff. Mm. There's but, a lot of dreamy stuff in this. Too. Yeah, I just we didn't I, even get to that. Uh, yeah, I, he, he's he's like the first writer that was like, ooh, you like a, you like dream like he's a romantic dreamer, and um, so I was always like, I want you know, and I think everything so far in my, I think I'm gonna have a dream in the middle, beginning, or end of every play. Okay. <laughs> you know, so we'll be prepared. I always prepare yourself for a dream, dream some, yeah. a dream sequence. See, I didn't I did not know that because I when it first happened in this play, I was like, what's going yeah, which I don't mind. I don't. I, don't I, I actually like. I, I don't want people to be prepared for a dream sequence, but I, I do yeah. want I to either start, end, or you know, derail a play with a dream yeah. um, or a best or worst possible scenario world. Um, so Jose Rivera is like a big one. Um, uh, Dominique Morisot, um, because of her sort of look into strong women and the vulnerability of strong women and making them really complex. August Wilson, obviously. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite Wilson play? Joe Turner's Come and Gone. Mine's Jitney. Yeah, because it's it. mysterious. Yeah. I like a good mysterious play. And when I first read that play, I had no idea what it was, but it invoked something black in me that mm. I didn't know was part of my identity. Mm. Joe Turner? Joe Turner specifically. Mm. Uh, Amir Baraka. Um, oh, yeah. Because he's, he's honest as fuck. Yes. Um, yes. Rajiv Joseph, because uh, I like uh, the way he like put two people in one room together to be intimate. I really just really enjoy him for that. Um, um, I probably write because of Denai because I used to audition for her plays, and I, she, I remember one time I auditioned for In the Continuum, and I was sent out of the room, and they're like, "Do you have an African play to like audition with?" And I was like, "No, there are no <laughs> African, African plays. plays. What do you mean?" And I was like, "Fuck, I gotta write something." You know, I was like, "But isn't that so powerful?" Yeah, there's a bunch of African yeah. Now they're right, you know, ten years later. But yeah. I was like, "What do you mean?" That is so funny. No African model. Come on, girl. Don't be a bone here. Yeah, and I'm funny so. Funiso right now is my favorite playwright. Mm. I mean, I'm like, when she's writing something new, when I go over her house, it's like, <laughs> she can't say to have me over. Because I'm the kid who, when it comes to her plays, you know, like the kid, like when you're cooking and like someone, like the kid who's like in the kitchen trying to like eat the food yeah. before the food's ready. Yeah, That's how I am. I'm like snooping around be like, any pages? What can I find? Any pages? Girl. They're, oh, all, they're all just, I mean, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> they're all just going to send you on a journey. No, but that, so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Sojourners. I just keep going back. I literally was weeping. I stopped crying. I started crying again. I was like, this play is going to ruin me. Um, and actually, I, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about, and this is um, maybe a kind of worms, but um, our current political climate. I sure. think as, as as those of us that are children of, of people who came on these journeys, right, mm -hmm. um, and perhaps forged our own identity as Americans. Mm -hmm. And now I think for the first time, I mean, when we when I got here, we were, I was told daily that I didn't belong. But mm -hmm. I think for a period of time, I kind of could pretend that like, you know, things were messed up, but like, at least that immigrant identity wasn't getting challenged mm -hmm. or, you know, sort of my, my legitimacy as citizens perhaps mm -hmm. was being challenged as a black person, right? Mm -hmm. But that 
immigrant, my immigrant life could kind of, maybe it's living in New York, mm-hmm. right? Didn't feel like assaulted the same way. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of this, this political time that we're in mm-hmm. and really looking at your work and yourself as a Nigerian American um, in this time, comment. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have a question. I don't have a question. I just feel like as an artist, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it can't be, it, you know, them, it, I don't know. I, I can think of like, what did my parents intend when they came here? They came here late 60s, early 70s. This is like peak civil rights yeah. as black people, but Africans hearing the N word. And they moved, they came to Jersey or they? My, I think my mom came to Chicago. I think my dad came to New Jersey, New York. Okay. When they first came. So they came at very political places, right? They weren't like in like Nebraska or whatever. Um, and to be here now, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> sometimes my dad jokes, he's like, like literally when clown, you know, um, in our White House got elected, he was like, Ngozi, it's like Nigeria now. <laughs> right? <Isn't> it's, it? <laughs> The loudest, yeah. most ridiculous, yeah. richest person wins. Why did I move? For what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you're just like, damn. Like, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I feel very empowered. Not unfazed, I'll tell you that much. I'm constantly like, oh, we live in a new place. Um, slash old place. Yeah. But now we all see it. Yeah. For me, the struggle for me is like, why does what I make matter? with the things that are constantly going on and, and, and how can I make my work matter and how can I, what can I do as an artist? So for me, it's like, how can I get more Africans to the theater? How can I get more black people to the theater? How can I get more people to uh, walk into this play and maybe have it be a sort of sense of healing? Because if we walk out into the world more healed, we can be stronger to fight against the craziness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, great. How can I crack some hearts open of people who look at me and hate me just because I'm here? So my existence bothers them. Because I'm African and empowered, because I'm a woman and empowered, because I'm black and empowered. Maybe if you walk into this play, you might go, oh, you're a person. Mm. And it makes me more sort of ferocious about my empathy mm. and relentless about my kindness. That's but what I'm love trying to do idea. with my theater. So I'm trying to crack hearts open because people are walking to our theaters like this, mm. going, why am I at a play when the world is fucking coming to an end yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you're like going th- and I'm seeing people go and open like and unfold their hands yeah. and receive these people and walk out which Kalechi does in life like she literally does that <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean um and yeah and I feel like that's the job of what we can do with our theater or with my theater that's my that is how I have made my theater matter so I don't quit because <laughs> yeah. I want to quit a lot and go no one cares. This doesn't matter. The world's ending. I should have went to school to become a lawyer because no, you should. Have. Because As someone who did that, because they're, do they're trying to send us all back. So I got, I got to figure out, I got to figure out how to get us to stay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, no. But art, art, art does something I think incredibly powerful, right? Like it just does, mm-hmm. you know. And people in that audience who may not even know a Nigerian person, or maybe you know, like there is there are moments of connection, mm-hmm. right? Or people who see their own immigration journeys or their own negotiation of identity in the struggle that this woman is going through. So yeah. I, I think the place certainly succeeds yeah. in that. And I love the idea of being ferocious with empathy. I love that. You gotta just be like, it's like literally trying to, like what Obina does in the play, it's like, how do I get? <laughs> and yeah. you just gotta, you have to be relentless with it because it's, 
uh, it's easy to let people be in their unkind circles and it's it's easy to let people go. It's easy to let people go. Yeah. Um, I've let some people go. <laughs> where I'm like, you are straining. But um, what happens if we actually go, you take a breath and you go, all right, I'll try again. Sometimes you still got to let him go. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you still got to let him go. Um, uh, but yeah, it makes you feel like, oh, what, what relationships are worth it? And what, what, what art is worth it? Is this worth it? You know, and it makes me only write things that I feel like are worth it. You know, where I'm like, I don't feel like that story doesn't, I'm working on my third play. That, that was the first play I ever tried to write 10, 12 years ago. I tried to write this one play, Nike. And it didn't matter at that time. I was like, this play doesn't matter. I can get patched, paid 718. Mm. And then I wrote, rewrote it earlier this year in like four days. Because I was like, oh, now, I, now this, oh, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, now this matters. Now I have to be aware. I have to keep my ear to the ground, my heart to the ground as far as what's happening in our world. And it's like now I've found, based on the craziness of our world, why this play matters to me and why I can keep going with it. Um, and for this particular play, no spoiler alerts, but obviously with the way that w- where we're at in the conversation of womanness and things like that, I have to be responsible with what I say in this play about s- some things. And I have to go, well, what is the point that I am trying to make about things that happen to women in this play. And for me, it's like that you are not the sum of an event. Yeah. (laughs) You can, you can, you know, Um, and you should. And I don't know how, but here's an, here's a way. Here's one example. Here's one example. Um, And it's okay that it doesn't look like, let's skip off into the sunset. (laughs) Because you're right, that's not realistic. Um, But here's a, here's a, here's a way. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for this amazing play. Homecoming Queen at the Atlantic Theater uh, Company. It closes on February 11th? February 11th. Um, Fingers unless crossed. those reviews come out and, and we possible. go till February 17th. Oh, okay. Yeah. So between mm-hmm. um, till February 11th, you have the opportunity to see this amazing play. Please, Get your please. tickets now because it's selling out very quickly. And um, and hopefully it'll be extended till February 17th. Yeah. Yes. Fingers crossed. Knock Fingers on crossed. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.